It is Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies, and I have a special, special guest today. This is uh, the person that kind of put me onto the whole podcasting game. He reached out to me actually a couple years ago, and it took a year for me to reply to his message in my inbox on Facebook. I don't know how I missed the message, but I guess sometimes on the inbox, if you're not friends with the person, it just kind of goes into like a, a spam or whatever. But I want to say it was probably 2019, maybe. He, he invited me on his show to talk about the 2019 draft, and I responded in 2020. And um, little did I know that I'd be spending a lot of time every day for the during this 2020 NBA playoffs with uh, with Gerald as a as a guest. Well, he, he'll say I'm a co-host, but it's still his show. But every day during the playoffs, we've you know done a recap of the uh, you know 2020 playoffs. And so my guest for today is. Gerald Glassford from the Lakers Fast Break. So how's it going, Gerald? Been good, my friend. And I'll tell you what, you respond a lot faster than some of the radio stations I try to pitch my shows to. So let's go, let's, let's put that out of the way. <laughs> but it, it's been an honor covering the NBA playoffs with you. I, I hope we get the chance to do it again, unless we can go ahead and get you working with a team in a capacity that you know, you, you know, obviously will deserve after all the hard work that you put into and hopefully can reach your goals. That would certainly be the best way to go ahead and say we can't do it. But if not, I would be honored if we can go ahead and do it again next year because it's been a great ride so far. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm with it. I'm definitely with it. I, I've had a lot of fun doing it, you know, every night, just kind of recapping the, the playoffs and, you know, just kind of giving our opinions. And, you know, it, it, it's been fun. Like, to me, the podcasting thing was something that I knew that I wanted to do for a while. And then once I was a guest on your show, it kind of motivated me to start. And I think I'm on like 32 or 33 episodes on the NBA Draft Junkies podcast. And then on my secondary podcast, Run the Floor, I have a few episodes. Uh, I don't remember how, how many I have total. Um, but I'll start that back up once the playoffs in, talk general basketball. So once again, thank you for getting me started. It's turned into an addiction. And now I'm editing podcasts for other people, kind of making a little money on the side doing it. So once again, thank you for for planting this 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 podcast seed. Uh, it's, I mean, you enjoy it because I just could see what kind of talent that you have and that what you bring to your YouTube channel, the kind of care that you have for your all your videos, and the what the, the kind of appreciation that you have out there for the consumer base that follows you either on your website or your YouTube channel. And to see you go into podcasting is something I thought would be an easy natural. And obviously it has, your shows have been excellent. I've listened to quite a bit of them and they've just been incredible so far. And I wish you continued success as always, my friend. Thanks. I really appreciate that. But now let's get into the reason why you are here today. Mm -hmm. We're here to talk about your big board. Okay. And so for you, since you are the Lakers Fast Break channel, you have your big board, and I want maybe three to four guys that you believe will be available when the Lakers are on the clock. Sounds good. All right. Well, so. for, well first off, if anybody wants to check it out, previous editions, I, this big board, this latest 14, is going to be part of my mock draft 4.0 when it goes up here next week. Um, so I'm giving him a sneak peek behind the scenes. But if you want to see my previous mock drafts, they're available on popculturecosmos.com. But where do you want to start? With numero uno? Numero uno. 
Number All one, right. Minnesota Timberwolves. Or, or actually, well, is this your big board or your mock? Uh, this is going to be my mock. Uh, okay. All right. Do you want to make it a mock or a big board? Because, it, I mean, my big board, it was probably going to be different. And right. as like you, I mean, it's going to be something where TE even may not be the best player at that particular spot, but there may be reasons why the team is getting it. Like, for instance, could be for a trade, uh, could be just to fill a need may not be the best player available, things of that nature. So our big board is probably going to look very different from ultimately lands up or whatever ultimately winds up being the ultimate final draft things. And we're just going to go, I know on draft night, you're not going to say, man, they just, it's just totally different because this, this draft is so different. This draft is really almost undefined in in many ways because there's so many choices you could make at number one so let's start right. with that i mean there is no definitive number one and nobody can convince me otherwise oh yeah it's edwards oh yeah it's wiseman oh yeah it's ball oh yeah it's top and no each of them have major flaws but also major things that they can go ahead and bring to a team i don't see that superstar yet i'm hoping i will but I don't know your opinion on that. I know we've talked about it several times on, on my show uh, you know, before the NBA playoffs. But I think right now, that's the thing I don't see right now is that one bona fide superstar. I got to have him, got to pick him as my number one. All right, well, let's get into it. For whatever reasons, the mock drafts are more popular than big boards on my YouTube channel. So, you know, this, this would be good for that audience. So you're on the clock, Minnesota Timberwolves, number one. Okay. Well, again, this is not my number one on my big board, but mm -hmm. Minnesota Timberwolves, since they're picking first, and it's not going to pretty much deviate from many of the outsiders that are out there in the analysts, because I'm, I'm coming to their same conclusion as you are with a lot of this, if you look at hours upon hours. It just seems right now that the fit is moving towards Anthony Edwards at number one. Uh, just because, like I said, he fills a spot in the rotation, even though Malik Beasley has done a great job in the short sample size that he's had. I think ultimately, as a starter, I'm not sure if you're going to get that same kind of sample size. I think it's the same thing we saw out of Alex Caruso, where he did great last year in those last 20 to 30 games. But then you ultimately see, ultimately saw what the best fit for him was coming off the bench spot starter doing this doing that i see the same thing for malik beasley and possibly being that six man going forward that a team could really capitalize on going forward so i think anthony edwards in that shooting guard role opposite of russell i think was probably a, a, you know the best fit right there among the top five candidates and at this point, there's, there's, he still has got a lot of issues. He's got, still got a lot of growing up to do, a lot of maturing. Some people question his work ethic. But I think he has a lot of raw talent that could go ahead and, for Minnesota, work out the best way possible. Although defensively, you kind of worry about that team a lot. A lot. And I stress, a lot. A lot. I mean, Russell doesn't have a reputation for being a good defender. We've all heard, you know, stories about Cat and his, his lack of defense. And then with Edwards, we know that he has the physical tools and we know that he has the talent to be a good defender. It's just a matter of, you know, the willingness to defend and, and the motor. But he's so young. So, yeah. you know, that can, you know, hopefully that can be brought out of them. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think – and the West is going to be so tough. I think this is like the first year 
that I can remember where every single team in the West feels like they are a playoff team. Yeah. Now we know if not one every thing team falls, is going to make it. Yeah. If one thing falls for another, or one thing falls for one team, one thing happens. Each of these teams in the West could say they have a chance to make it with the right, if everything breaks down correctly. Yeah. And if I'm the Timberwolves, Rojas, I don't know if I would have wanted the number one pick just because there's the pressure of having the number one pick in a draft where there's not like a surefire number one or a player that you think that's going to be able to come in and help you make a playoff run immediately. And so I think if Edwards is the number one pick there, I think it, it makes the most sense on paper. But again, defensively, if you're a bad defensive team in the West, you're going to have to have a lot of firepower to overcome that. I mean, I'm a Blazers fan, and we were pretty bad defensively this year, but we had the firepower on offense, and then we got kind of lucky in the sense that we had the bubble and we had to play in, and, and we were able to make a run after everybody got healthy. But if it was yeah. a situation where, you know, the season would have ended normally, I don't think we would have been able to have everybody healthy, and then we would have been a lotto team, so – but yeah, I mean, Minnesota would definitely have to figure out some um, some ways to uh, make them a, a decent defensive team if they went in the direction of Anthony Edwards. Absolutely. So, I, like I said, it's the best out of this situation. I'm not going to say a bad situation, but it's the best out of a mediocre at best draft right now. I think it is for the option for them. I think it is the best fit for them right now. It's not the perfect fit by any means, but I think Anthony Edwards is the best fit for them. All right, now number two, probably the easiest in the draft in a sense because they have so many options that they can package to pick or they have the luxury of whoever they draft just needs to come in and, and be a piece to a puzzle. Absolutely. So if you're the Warriors, this, go ahead. Well, this has been the kind of, kind of tricky as far as the Warriors are concerned because I flip-flopped on this on my mock drafts from Jonathan Wiseman, who obviously fills a direct need right there at center, and I've gone back and forth between him and LaMelo Ball. I started with LaMelo, went to Jonathan. Now, right now, I think I'm going to go back to LaMelo just because I think they're going to trade the pick. I really think they're going to trade the pick. I don't think they're going to keep it. I think they're going to go ahead and take LaMelo Ball for whoever team wants him the most. I think he is of the – on my big board, I think he is number one just by a smidgen just because he has the one trait – that is at a great level already that none of these other players have. None of these other players have something that they're really great at except for him. And I think his passing skills, I think his just his open court awareness, I just think his intelligence and IQ on the court, I think supersedes even his brother. So I think really with that kind of skill, and I think he can work on his shooting well enough and his defense well enough to be passable to the point where he can become a top point guard in the league. If that's the case, that's going to be a marketable commodity. And I really think that if Golden State takes him, they're going to do it just for the fact. I, before, I thought they were going to be able to see if they can work him in with Thompson and, and Curry and let that be going forward and grow him into the position. But now I think they're on a win-now mode. Mm -hmm. because I think their window is closing. And in, in doing so, they're going to need to have every asset available. And I think that LaMelo Ball is a more attractive asset as the number two pick and as a tradable option 
than Jonathan Wiseman. So I see LaMelo Ball going number two. All right. In your opinion, what would be the best trade partner? For best trade partner for them? That's tough because they want uh, someone to help as far as a big man who could do the lot of things that they want them to do. Uh, you know, how many big men? Oh, I'd probably say Indiana. Indiana, probably you're looking at Miles Turner, who is the hot commodity as far as being a seven footer who can block shots, play defense, and shoot from the outside, which is something as you're seeing with the Lakers. You know, everybody now wants their own version of Anthony Davis. And while he's not Anthony Davis ish level, he's still someone that's maybe a, a notch below, but on a team like that, it could really work out for him. So I see Indiana possibly being a, a great suitor for Golden State in that type of trade. Maybe yeah. Wiggins in a number two for maybe Oladipo and Turner, something like that. Oh, no way. <laughs> that would be... Because be... I, I, I know how much Laker Tom... They, you know what? They would probably just do it just to trade him away from, from the Lakers just to make Laker Tom angry. Yeah, I mean, I would think that... I don't think you can get Indiana's arguably their two best players or two of their three best players for the number one pick in the draft that isn't considered a, a, a strong It depends draft. how much they are in love with Oladipo, though. Well, know. I think that – I mean, I think Turner would be the best fit for the Warriors. Maybe – because I know they have the Timberwolves pick next year. And if the Timberwolves don't make the playoffs, which I don't think any of us are predicting them to, that would be another lottery pick in which 2021 is supposed to be a strong draft. So I could see maybe – but then again, do you give up two number ones for, for Miles Turner? And in most cases, you probably say no. But in the Warriors' case, you want to win now. Yeah. And I, th I think that he would, you know, he'd give them a shot blocker and a, another floor spacer. So I think that would be a, a pretty good pick, especially when you don't really know what you're going to get from LaMelo, but you already kind of figure you know what you're going to get from Miles Turner. So that would be yeah. that would be interesting trade. I haven't really thought about that one. I mean, it's something that they would do to clear out. Uh, you're right. Probably Oladipo and Turner is a little bit too much for, for the picks, but they need to do something. And I, I think Turner is the obvious choice for almost any team this, this off season. I was going to say this summer. I'm getting like you. I'm keep saying this, want to say in the summer, but it's over. The summer's over. We're in the fall. Yeah. So the off season. So I think Miles Turner is going to be a target for every team that wants that type of player. All right. Hornets, their pick. Well, Hornets, they just need talent. They need talent in, in the best way, shape, or form. And I think right now for them at number three, I'm still very high on him. He was number two on my big board, and that is Jonathan Wiseman at number three. I think uh, the kid is going to be good. He just needs to grow. I wish he had played a full season at Memphis. I really wish he would have. But he only played three games. It got a small sampling size, but I think he can give you enough out there and be something that going forward, I think he can actually be as good as what we're seeing from DeAndre Ayton. Now, finally, that DeAndre Ayton was not playing at a level that I think some at least are happy at. So I think he can get to that level if given the opportunity. And I think he can do it on Charlotte because they need talent, period. Yeah, I have them selecting a big, and I think – Okongwu would would be the fit there. I think he's somewhat more of a safer pick than Wiseman because we've seen him <laughs> against high level competition. Oh yeah, I, I agree with you. He's times. a safer pick, absolutely. So yeah, 
All right, number four. Who is your number four pick? Number four. This was getting to the point where, you know, you, you're coming. I, I thought at first when we started doing our mock drafts, we started doing our big boards, I really thought, you know, this was going to be guard heavy at the top of the draft. And I thought that would be the case. But right now we're going to be seeing a lot of fours go out. We're going to be seeing a lot of big guys or larger guys or they, people, guys that are not – the traditional guards shooting three-pointers and things of that nature that we thought we would see in the way the league is trending towards. But number four for me is someone who can still hit the outside shot, who had a great season, Obi Toppin. I think Chicago Bulls are going to have what you, like you were saying, I think is a safe pick, and that is Obi Toppin at, at number four. That's interesting because I did a, a podcast with Knicks Fan TV, and a fan called in. I mean, this is just... You know, people calling and giving their opinions. But he made a good point. I guess his cousin is the coach at Dayton. And yeah. Dayton's coach was under Billy Donovan. And so he was saying that he thinks that, you know, Dayton's coach, uh, I think it's Anthony Grant, I believe is his name, is, mm -hmm. is going to push Obi Toppin towards Billy Donovan. He'll have all the intel. He'll know everything because of the relationship with the coach. And so he thinks that. Obi Toppin is going to the Bulls, which, I mean, I like Markkinen. I really think that Markkinen is, he has all-star potential, in my opinion. I mean, he can shoot. He just needs to be healthy. He had the oblique injury this year. Needs to be healthy every year. That's needs pretty much what every year. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, if they keep Markkinen, then it's a situation where, I mean, does, does Toppin beat him out in the open competition in the camp? You could run them out four or five. Possibly. I mean, but then you got Wendell Carter, who's their best defender. And it's, I mean, the Bulls are situation, are in a situation where whoever they draft, wherever they go, possibly wouldn't come in and start right away. It's mm -hmm. in a fair open camp because, I mean, Otto Porter is probably the one guy who you probably say, oh, yeah, well, that's the guy that, that's easily replaceable in a starting lineup. But he is the ultimate glue guy, in my opinion. Yeah. He's definitely overpaid, and he, he didn't play a lot of games this year, but I think he's the one guy in the starting lineup that doesn't really need the ball to be effective and to, to fill his role. So I think that he's he's a shoe-in to be the starter. But, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see what the Bulls do at, at number four. And I think this could be a, a team that um, takes a lot of calls for their pick also. I agree with you on that. And if anybody drops far – it would be Opie Toppin because the fact he's, I think, one of the oldest uh, players in the draft right now. So if that's the case and really harbor on the fact that someone is not, someone's already an almost finished product already at 23, then uh, maybe, like I said before, Obi Toppin could be dropping on the, uh, but right now I have him at number four. I just think he's too good of a talent, both offensively and defensively. Now, mind you, I've, uh, once you turn me on to his hips, as far as his as action, this lack of movement, his lack of lateral movement, I watched that on the video, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So he's going to have to figure out a way to be a little bit better as far as on the defensive end, playing man-to-man. -man. But I think he's got a lot to bring there that some teams would be interested in. I, I agree with you. He could be a trade target as well. All right. Yeah, moving on to number five, Cleveland. Another tough choice. I mean, they have uh... – Two guards that they've drafted in back-to-back -back years. And then Kevin Porter Jr. was 
in my opinion, one of the biggest steals of last year's draft. I know he yeah. kind of came on late. Well, I guess this season late is February, but he kind of came on uh, once he got a little bit of playing time. But I think that he definitely is a guy that, um, you know, he has the talent to be a very high-level starter. I think there were some issues with his intel, why he fell so far in the draft. But I think from a talent standpoint, to be honest with you, I don't know if there's that much of a different ta- difference, talent for talent, skill for skill between Kevin Porter Jr. and Anthony Edwards. But that's a whole different subject. So Cleveland has a lot of guards. Which direction are you going in with the fifth pick? Well, I'm going in a direction that you've already gone in. And that's someone who does have a lot of talent. And like Charlotte, this is a team that needs a lot of talent. It needs a really big influx of talent. And I think I'm going to go right now with, even though they have Andre Drummond, who knows how long they'll keep him on the roster. I'm going to go with Onyeka Onkongwu at number five. All right. So my question there is, does that make Tristan Thompson a Laker next year? It makes Tristan Thompson. If Tristan Thompson becomes a Laker, oh my gosh, they're probably going to bring back, uh, you know, the Kardashian show. They're probably going to bring that back just be, if he goes to the Lakers, just for that fact. I mean, they'll revive that. Uh, they'll come back on Amazon or somewhere on that, Hulu or whatnot. But yeah, if that's the case, Tristan Thompson, I. I don't know. Uh, him on the Lakers right now, is he a good fit? I think we're already, we already talked about before trying to see what we can do to, to keep uh, Howard, although I don't think that's going to be possible. I think Howard's going to get a lot of offers. Uh, probably going to get Cousins on the team. Uh, you'll still have much to Laker Tom Chagrin, JaVale McGee on the team. But it is possible that there could find some space for Tristan Thompson, but really, what does he give you at this point in time? Well, I think he's more playable than JaVale McGee in a playoff series. I think he's a better switchy defender. He's an active rebounder. He's not going to be the vertical lob threat, but I think that, um, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. He's a clutch guy. I know he lives in LA in the off season. He's a clutch guy. <laughs> Did you mention he's a clutch guy? Yeah, he, he's a clutch guy. He's friends with LeBron. And uh, I think Dwight could possibly leave. Um, if, if you're, you know, if you're. Mary... Well, if the e, well, I'll just say this. If the E-Network calls Clutch and really tries to organize it as far as getting a revival of keeping up with the Kardashians, maybe that's a possibility. <laughs> yeah, I just think that I, I wouldn't be shocked if he resigns in Cleveland. Um, but then again, I also wouldn't be shocked if he goes, ends up with the Clippers somehow um, now that wouldn't surprise me that yeah. that wouldn't surprise me yeah, you just never oh. know or toronto because yeah. it looks like gasol is gone as his hometown um, i think he can help some teams out i think that um, a lot of people probably forgot the value that he brings because you know who's watched cleveland the last couple of years but i think he he's expanded his offensive game some and uh he can, he can move his feet and so yeah, that um, he can i've seen him try to guard lebron and do it actually pretty efficiently, if for lack of a better term. I mean, efficiently means still LeBron is scoring on you, but he does move his feet very well for his mm-hmm. size. All right, so number six. Number six. So, we, like I said, uh, Yanka Nkongu to bring some youth and size to the Cleveland as far as, uh, especially on the defensive end, which is something they sorely need. Going number six, it's someone that you really like. A lot of people are turning me on to him. I I still have questions about whether or not he'll get his shooting ever right, but Denny Avia 
is probably my next choice, simply because of the fact he's a playmaker and Atlanta needs a playmaker, someone to take the pressure off of Trey Young. Trey Young would be so much better off the ball, or at least off the ball, maybe just a small amount of plays or things like that. So if you have a Denny Villa who can take the ball up, who you can run an offense through, similar to what, well, I, get, I don't want to say similar to what you see in Denver with Jokic, but something similar, because he's, you know, as far as from a power forward standpoint, maybe he can go ahead as a number four or number three, slot and you can run an offense through him but anything to free up even a few possessions each game off of Trey Young it make Trey Young uh, probably even better shoot more efficiently because he'll be an off the ball shooter a little bit more often yeah I, I like him obviously as a secondary playmaker he's actually training in Atlanta so if he's selected there he wouldn't have to pack up and move anywhere but yeah he, he's been in Atlanta for I want to say at least the last month, month and a half, and he's been working out there. So he'll be familiar with the city for sure. But I do think yeah. that they need um, they need defense and a secondary playmaker. You know, a lot of people may think that Cam Reddish is that defender and secondary playmaker. Only time will tell. Um, he, he had a really, really slow start to his rookie year, but he kind of picked it up, you know, later in the season before everything was shut down. But I don't think Atlanta – has I don't think that Hunter and um and Reddish are good enough at this point to where you say, well no, we're gonna guarantee them the spot and we're not gonna pick another wing. Yeah. But Atlanta's also in a situation like Chicago. You know their starting point guard spot is taken. They just made a big trade for Capella. And then John John Collins is, you know, he's possibly up for an extension. I mean I've heard some rumors saying that they wanted to move him, but I've also read that they're looking to extend him. So if that's the case, then three of their starting spots are pretty much guaranteed. And then you know one of the wings from the past, from last year's draft, is probably going to start. And they still got Kevin Herter. So you could possibly come into Atlanta, like Chicago, be a top six pick, and you're not starting. Because you have not another a bad team. young – Yeah, you have another young person that's, that's ahead of you. So um, I wouldn't be shocked to see them try to make a trade for, for a veteran. Well, they do need someone, I think, as a playmaker. But like you said, defense as well, because they're atrocious. They're at Cleveland Cavaliers level as far as defense is concerned. And, you know, Trey Young, who will never be known in the league as a defender, I think, because, you know, it's just something that he does not focus on and something he really can't do with his attributes. I mean, he his attributes are really focused towards the offensive side of the game, and, and that's what you're going to have to give up is on the defense with him. But if you have someone that can make up for many of those things on the defensive end, plus being able to take some of that pressure off, maybe Denny Avia is the answer, but we'll have to wait and see. All right. Now you're up with Detroit. Detroit Pistons. Let's go with, I, I was contemplating between, between the two guards that I have up there right now, right on my big board. So with them, I think Detroit is going to take Tyrese Halliburton. I really like this kid. I think he's a pretty good shooter, pretty good playmaker. He, in, in essence, to me, he is a safe pick because he's pretty good at all of the things that you look for. Pretty good defensively, pretty good at this, pretty good at that. He's not going to wow you. He's not going to be, I think, a superstar in the league, but he is something that's going to be there. He could be – you put him in, plug him in there for seven to ten years as a really solid player in the league. And I think that's what Detroit needs right now is 
people that can go ahead and fill out your roster. You're going to work on the nuances on trying to bring in a star or develop a star if you find one, a diamond in the rough. But Tyrese Halliburton, I think, is going to be a solid contributor for Detroit or whoever gets drafted, uh, whoever he gets drafted to for at least seven to 10 years. I, I think he really is a, a really good, solid player for you. So how do you think him and Blake will work, considering that Halliburton is not a pick-and-roll point guard? Well, let me ask you this. How do you think uh, him and 30 games of Blake will do? Because, you know, that's the most you can get at this point in time with Blake. <laughs> well, he's had like a year and a half rest, so he should be fine. <laughs> those knees, man, those knees. Yeah. I mean, he's had a long break. He's had a long break. So well, let's, let's hope that leads to a healthy season for him, yeah. all kidding aside. But I think that could work because as a secondary playmaker with that, what, you know, that he once was in the, at the, for the Clippers, he could take a lot of pressure off of Halliburton and help him grow into the league instead of going ahead and saying, give the kid the ball. And there you go right away. Plus, he can start right away because you know Derek Rose is either going to come off the bench or even if he is supposed to be the starter, he's probably going to be someone that could be moved by the team as far as an asset. Because it's one, you know, Derek Rose, to me, is one of the few assets that the D Detroit Pistons really have. I mean, I mean, they don't really have many things in the, in the coffer to consider. So Derek Rose could be someone that maybe they could you know, send him out to to get maybe a, a late first or, or even an early second to get into as far as for down the road. Lakers or Clippers? <laughs> you know what? I would have told, easily told you Lakers, but seeing as how the demise of the Clippers and all that, you know, for all those other reasons also could be partially blamed on having a ball handler or a need for a ball handler. Not necessarily a passer, but just a ball handler at that position. I'd say I'd say the Clippers. I think has moved out in front. Yeah, I know he also lives in LA in all season, like a lot of different players. But you know, I'm sure a lot of guys would love to be able to live in this house that they've rented out or that they bought in Los Angeles, stay there year round. I mean, can't be LA weather. So I, I think like. The next few years, you're just going to see a bunch of guys that are towards the end of their career or just a little bit past their prime that are going to be willing to take major pay cuts to live in Los Angeles and New York. And so it was so, fu it was so funny because I did a trade machine, I think in December or January, that I told Laker Tom about and I posted it and I actually told him on the air what it was and involved the Lakers at that time for Kyle Kuzma and some other things for. Christian Wood, uh, Markeith Morris, and uh, also uh, Derek Rose. And at the time, you could have easily gotten that package because Christian Wood had yet to start really going to that next level where he paid himself, into, you know, got himself basically paid in the offseason because he did so well. And look at it now. You got Markeith anyways, and you see how well he's Nothing. done. What did you, you get Markeith for? Well, this I was going to trade. I, I did a three for three trade. Three, uh, I think, was Kuzma and a couple other assets. I forget at the time, but this was when Kuzma was more a little bit more highly thought of. Christian Wood hadn't hit his mark yet. Markeith Morris was still often injured, and Derek Rose was the centerpiece of the deal that you were trying to get because we were just so harsh on Rondo, and at that time, analytically so, mm -hmm. at that point in time. What did the Lakers end up getting Markeith for? Nothing. 
Was he Nothing. was he buyout? A buyout? Yeah, he was he was a buyout. Pack of Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> Pack of Snickers. But hey, who's which Morris twin is actually in the NBA finals and which one is it? Yeah, I mean, I thought Marcus was the much, much better player this year, and then Marquise has hit his stride in the playoffs. That's well, yeah. <laughs> so that was a steal. I mean, that was that was a, a, I mean, a great pickup for nothing. All right, pressure pick number eight, New York Knicks. New York Knicks fans are always going to hate everything you do, uh, but then again, we get criticized on YouTube when we say that the Knicks fans hate everything you do <laughs> or everything you pick. So you can't win either way with New York Knicks fans, but I'm going to say he's a really good guard. I know you've liked him now for a long time. In fact, there was early talk about why wasn't this guy at number one, and that is Killian Hayes. I think he brings a lot to the table. I think he's an excellent playmaker. I think he is at the top level of many, many different uh, skill sets but he does need to improve his shooting. And I think he will. I think you've already pointed that out, that you think he's, that uh, you're very confident that he will improve his shooting. Yep. And I have that same faith. I think he's going to be a steal for New York. And I think he's going to be someone that, yes, I understand that they've had their issues with Nilakina in that spot and, and, you know, other players that they picked right around that area. But I think Killian Hayes could be the best of that bunch. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be, mad at that choice i don't think killian falls that far i think the knicks fans will boo that pick just because he's another french point guard and it will remind them of the 2017 draft when they selected um frank over i want to say donovan mitchell i know they were mad about frank being selected over dennis smith jr and you know it worked out in their favor to where they ended up getting dennis smith remember they booed porzingis too they they moved him for the guy that they wanted and Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> so um, who, the, who the fans wanted. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that Knicks need a point guard. Um, I think Killian would be a good fit there. I just think that it'd be a tremendous amount of pressure on him just because the fan base is already going to put him in a box as another French point guard. And you got to think about Knicks and France. You know, there's some Knicks fans that still believe in Frank. There's some Knicks fans that, you know, are upset. They they don't like him. But then you got to remember the Knicks also drafted uh, Frederick Weiss, <laughs> yep. the French guy that um, who's more so known for being jumped over by Vince Carter. So I think he made a smart move to never come to the stakes because NBA fans would have been hard on him. No, he, played again, the, he, he did play for the Knicks. I saw him in the Knicks uniform, I think. Did he? I don't, I don't think I, he ever I, came I over. Thought, I'll have to check on it. I could have sworn I saw him in a Knicks, in a Knicks uniform. I mean, I don't, I don't think – I mean, I can look it up. I don't think he ever came over um, just because <laughs> – Oh, I would be embarrassed too. I would be embarrassed too. You're right. So, I mean, if you get jumped over and, and uh, with the most monster slam of all time in any category, yeah, that's true. But I thought he – I could have sworn he played the – I think it was him and I, – I think of him – and Fran Vasquez as two guys that were lottery picks that never came over into the draft. So uh, no, he, he never is, played in the NBA. He never. Wow, man, no, never came. He was the fifteenth pick in '99. Yeah. Well, there you go, my friend. I could have sworn I saw him in the next year. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh. 
just somebody posting it on a meme or something a long time ago. So. All right, moving to number nine, the Washington Wizards. Washington Wizards, I'm going to say at this point in time, needs defense. You know, we talked about the poor defensive teams in Cleveland and also as well in Atlanta, but Washington has such a prolific offense. They don't need very much in more in the way right now in the way of offense, but they do need a collective, I guess, basically a lot more on the defensive side of the ball. I think Isaac Okoru will do just that for them. I think he's really underrated at this point in time. I see him as somebody that if he does get that, and I know we sound like a broken record, but if he does go ahead and get that shot together to any semblance where we're hoping that he can be, that the kid's going to be really good because I think he can be a defensive stopper for the Wizards. Yeah, they need defense really bad. They were the worst defensive team. If, if they weren't the worst, then they were the second. I know it was going back and forth between the Wizards and the Hawks. And then we'll see how um, – you know, John Wall comes back. But I think Okoro could definitely be a strong defender. If I'm not mistaken, he would – he should be their starting small forward right off the bat if, if um, you know, they go with a Rui at the four. Um, and then you can bring Bertans off the bench. But, yeah, I think he would be the glue guy that, that they need to help their defense. But, again, the shooting is the issue of Wall – isn't a high-level shooter, and then Okoro, then it could kind of mess up their offense a little bit. But I think that offense wasn't their issue last year. I mean, they put up a lot of points, and even Bradley Beal said, we, we, can, we can score, we just can't defend the grandmother. So I think that that makes the, the most sense for the, uh, the Wizards, either that or, or Vassell. I think that Okoro is probably a little bit better defender than Vassell, Vassell is obviously a, a, a better shooter. He shot 40% from three. But it just depends on, you know, where the Wizards think as far as upside. And then are they trying to make a run for the playoffs next year? Or are they looking to trade Bill if they don't think that he's going to be there long term and they're going to go into a full rebuild? So only time will tell at this point. Only time will tell. But I, I think that's a good pickup for the Wizards right there. All right, number 10. The Phoenix Suns, the hottest team <laughs> in the NBA right now. No but, pun intended. <laughs> even though they haven't played a game, they can honestly say that they, they are the happiest team with the way their season ended. Yeah, and that's a good story for Monty Williams. I mean, everybody knows what Monty Williams has gone through in recent years. I don't want to go ahead and, and you know, go down that road here. I mean, he's had some tough challenges in his life, and I'm just so happy for him. As a personal, you know, because I think he's, from everybody says he's a really good guy or pretty good coach. And, you know, at that team rallied under him and they deserved all the success. And I'm sorry that they didn't get a chance to go in and face against the Lakers because they certainly deserved it. Uh, no, you know, I'm sorry with, to the Blazers, but the Blazers were playing well. But when you go undefeated in the bubble under those circumstances and not even have a chance to play into the bubble, play into the playoffs, that was kind of a disappointing thing for them, but you know, that's the way it was set up by the league. So you got to deal with it. But for them, I really like what Cam Johnson brought as far as shooting is concerned. So I think they're going to continue the emphasis on shooting because they really, I, I don't know, they need a guard, a point guard. They need another distributor. Obviously that's something that's been kind of a weak spot. And I understand that, you know, that they they've had those issues for, for years now. 
I think though that they're going to go ahead and continue the focus on shooting, and I think they're going to get Aaron Nesmith. Aaron Nesmith is the best shooter in the draft, and if he can find some semblance of where you put him, whether either at the number two or number three, if you can find him that spot, really he can be an effective shooter for you, I think, long-term. Him and Cam Johnson could really spread the floor for you. Yeah, that would be a crazy, crazy lineup to have on there when you can mix and match Booker with Johnson, and I think Bridges is eventually going to be a a high-level three-point shooter. It kind of makes you wonder what is the future of Kelly Oubre. Yeah. Because he wasn't there in the bubble when they played their best basketball. Not saying that the reason why, you know, they were struggling early in the year was because of Oubre. Not putting any blame on on him for that. But it seems like offensively they were just at their best with with him being gone. But then again, if I mean, nobody will admit it. I'm just going to come out and say it. If you're a Suns fan, how mad are you at De- – how mad are you at DeAndre Ayton? If they only win four games while he was out, I don't know. I know he missed, what, was it 25 games? Yes. Because I don't remember the, uh, their record. Yeah. But if, if they win four more games because of him, then they're, yep. they're probably a playoff team. Two more games. Actually, one more game. One more game, yeah. One more game. All they had to do is win one more game. And you're right. Uh, you know, you have to be mad at him. That's maturity issues. And he missed a day in the bubble because of just he personal issues. Take a and test he or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he didn't, yeah, didn't get to take the test. Didn't take the test. And just maturity issues. But if he can get those maturity issues taken care of, or is this going to be a long-term thing? We don't know yet. But even though that's the case, he did play – well, uh, not at Luka Doncic's level, so he'll always be known for the guy that was picked ahead of Luka Doncic. But still, I think he can be a really good center in the league. And I, I just think if you just you've got this great spread the floor deal with Booker Johnson, like you mentioned, possibly even Ubre and Bridges. And if you add that with Nesmith, you've got firepower there. All you need to do is just find maybe. You, well, you talked about Kelly Ubre. Maybe you can find that point guard, maybe someone out there that, you know, is a better distributor or at least a little bit more solid than what they're seeing right now from the point guards that they've had there in now and the re- in the recent past. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Ruby. I think he, he balanced out their offense a lot. I mean, he, great passer, but you know, he gets exposed all the time. He used to, he used to be a really good defender, good defender, mm-hmm. not quite as good. I mean, he's seen up there in age, but his shot, has always been suspect. But you know what's funny is he's not old. I don't know if he's even 30 yet. Oh, okay, because he's seemingly <laughs> been playing in the league forever. Yeah, he uh, – I mean, I think – I mean, you got to think, was it 2008 he was a teenager? Yeah. <laughs> in the Olympics? So he might not be 30 yet. Uh, he seems like he's been there forever. Um, and then, um, you know, a lot of guys in his draft class are – or out of the league. I think the only guys, if I'm not mistaken, in the lottery from his draft class, the only guys that are still left, maybe like Harden, was it was it Harden, DeRozan, Steph, and Blake, maybe? And the rest of the that um, lottery is out. But no, Rubio is 29. Oh, there you go. He'll turn so 30 this to- month. So he's he's still in the middle of his prime. But still, he can't shoot very well. And that's always going to be an Achilles heel in a playoff scenario. I mean, 
we see the same we say the same things about rondo but rondo you're not playing 30 to 35 minutes a game sometimes sometimes you are sometimes out of necessity but it just was your starting point guard there are some issues i think with rubio that will hold him back and i think eventually you could trade him or you could package him and Ubre for possibly someone that could help your team even more so you never see, know i just i'm I just know. i like rubio i think this year he averaged a career high in points per game it's about 13 points, nine assists, and he shot about league average from three, which is about 35%. So I still think there's, I mean, he's not the sexiest pick, but I think that, uh, I definitely think they need to like have another point guard that they can develop to come behind him. Cause I think their backup point guard right now is Javon Carter, but I think it's going to be tough for a rookie to come in and, and beat Rubio out for a starting spot because he just takes well, care of the ball. And... Yeah, and that's, and that's more the reason why you should look at a different position if that's mm-hmm. the case. And I think, again, it's worked so well for you before as far as having that shooting, having that luxury. It showed in the bubble because they shot the ball so well. Why not add more shooting and just have that depth? Because you're going to have injuries along the way. You have already have a team that has had injuries in the recent past. So I would bank on trying to go ahead and fill up that roster even more with quality shooters. And eventually you're going to go ahead and see the fruits of this. Maybe not next year. Maybe they're still on the fringe of the playoffs, but they Phoenix is going to have to be someone to be reckoned with in the not too distant future. Now a team that we don't know whether they're going in the right direction or should they just completely start from scratch? The San Antonio Spurs at number 11. Who do you think would be a good fit there? I would start from scratch, but with Pop there in his waning years, I'm not convinced that they will do that, uh, especially e- even in though it's in a loaded West. I'm going to say that they're going to go ahead and this is my first of the two Florida State kids that are really high up on, and that is Patrick Williams. I think uh, of the two, I think he's a little tiny bit better prospect just because he's a little bit stronger, a little taller. And I think he has a little bit more development to his game that could be added in there, but it's close between those two. And I think right now, Patrick Williams to me is the little bit better prospect by just that much. Although I wouldn't be surprised if, if Devin Vassell uh, obviously also achieves success in the league, but I really am going to go with right now, Patrick Williams at uh, for the, for the San Antonio Spurs. I, I think the Spurs need a lot of talent as well, especially in the front court. All right, so number 12, another team that's tough to select for, the Sacramento Kings. Oh, first of all, you know, the GM issue still in, in play. Obviously, what's going on with the, you know, the, the ownership between the minority owners and, and Vivek and all the things that they're battles that are going on there. Uh, what's the future for Buddy Heald? Because he hates everybody in Sacramento. He won't answer Luke Walton's calls. Uh, you know, what's the future for Boyan Bogdanovich and or Bogdan Bogdanovich? And, uh, you know, it, you don't know what's going to go on with Sacramento because it's just a, it's just, I don't want to say it's a dumpster fire, but it's in disarray to, to some level. But the second of the Florida State kids, Devin Vassell, is my choice here. Good shooter good all-around player, needs to get strength. I think he's a little bit under, undersized, a little bit slight, a build. But if he can build up some muscle, I really think that he's got a long future in the league as well as a 3 and D player. Yeah, I'm high on his upside. I think that he has, uh, you know, if he can obviously get stronger working his ball handling and, and figure out ways to, 
attack the basket. I think that the sky's the limit for him as far as his potential because he can knock down open shots. He's long. He's a defender. He has a good pull-up jumper. Just think he lacks a little bit of offensive creativity. But if, even if he doesn't improve in those areas, I like to see him improve. I think he could have a long career as just a 3 and D guy. I mean, yeah. my comparison for him is Trevor Ariza, which yeah. Trevor's played a long time. I mean, I think he was in the class after LeBron, so he's on year like 16 maybe. So He hasn't really bulked up that I thought he would have. Even playing for the Lakers, I thought he was still a little bit slight of build, but he never really had to go ahead and get that much stronger to find his own niche in the league, and he's been a top defender for yeah. years, even to this day. Yeah, I mean, he's just found his niche, and he's he stayed. I mean, I think even now with today's NBA, he's a 3-4. As, you know, back in, you know, when he was younger, he was more so like a, a three. But now, you know, I think he can play multiple positions, and he can – I mean, he can still defend at a pretty decent level in his advanced age. And if Vassell has a career similar to Ariza's, that's not a bad career to have. But I think and that how many had, t- well, uh, how many times during the series with the Lakers were you saying, you know, we wish we had Trevor Ariza? Well, yeah, I mean, the- I take Ariza over Winion Gabriel and playing Zach Collins at the five. So, I felt yeah. bad for that kid, Gabriel. <laughs> I felt bad for that kid. He was so excited to start, and then LeBron. <laughs> yeah, LeBron is. I mean, you're excited to start. You're excited to you know play on TV in front of your family and friends. You're excited to play against LeBron, and he just bullies you and beat you up <laughs> yes tell that to tyler hero on that play yeah i've seen that all over twitter <laughs> all over <laughs> all right now we're down to 13 another team that i think is difficult to draft for the new orleans pelicans the team that the lakers robbed and <laughs> i mean no matter how people say it, oh well you know the lakers got this you know remember at one point people thought like the lakers gave up too much no they yep. robbed the pelicans <laughs> well Straight well, we'll see down the road, five to 10 years down the road. We'll go ahead and, and reanalyze this, my friend, because uh, they're yeah, still... still robbed them. They're not going <laughs> to. <Okay. laughs> <still robbed> <laughs> I can't get <laughs> They still robbed them. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I, 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 it's like I'm trying to argue with you, but my heart's really not in it because I think you're right. <laughs> if you win a championship in year one, which we're probably, you know, we're maybe a few hours away from knowing that, then you robbed them. Unless they somehow win too, but you know, you look at the history of, of the Pelicans, which max level su- superstar that they drafted has stayed there past his second contract. Yeah, we'll have to see what Zion does. <laughs> but they've got even, a lot of talent. That's the problem. They've got this talented team with a whole bunch of great, you know, uh, uh, developing players. You've got Drew Holiday. You've got you know Ball. You've got Zion, you've got JJ Redding, you've got all this talent. It just doesn't seem to mesh quite well. And sometimes it's a little bit about addition by subtraction, where maybe they need to go ahead and trade some of these assets in order to get some players in, maybe more veterans that might fit the mix a little bit better. But if they do keep this pick, which I could certainly see being shopped around, I I, I really want to Pokashevsky here. I really was thinking Pokashevsky, um, I, one of my mock drafts before I've had Pokashevsky here because I, as you and I know, at nauseum, I've talked about this kid, how much I raved about him. But I just think his build is going to be a detraction for most of these NBA teams. I really think the kid is just too slight. And I think he's just 
it's going to take a while for him to develop into an NBA player that people are going to rely on. So I think the, the New Orleans Hornets uh, are going to take New Orleans Pelicans. He got me Hornets. New Orleans uh, Pen- Pelicans are going to probably take Kira Lewis Jr. Uh, I see Kira Lewis Jr. as a nice, solid backup that's really going to earn some minutes. And I think he's a playmaker very fast. I think it's a great change of pace player. I think if they still want to, even though Alvin Gentry's not there anymore, if they still want to keep that pace because they've got a, long, a lot of young talent, I think a lot of them want to go ahead and fast break and they want to go ahead and run out, do lobs, hold that whole nine yards. When you have a young team like that, having a, a player with the speed of Kira Lewis Jr., I think is an advantage for them. Yeah, I, I like that pick. I mean, I think with Pokaszewski, he's so young. I mean, he barely made the deadline to be eligible for yeah. this draft. If you can give him some of the pounds that Zion picked up in the bubble, then you got a good good situation there. <laughs> All right. Number 14, the last pick in the in the in for today for the uh for the your mock big okay. board lottery. You got the and that would be and that would be the Boston Celtics, correct? Yep. I'm gonna go I actually I'm gonna go safe, uh, because I think a lot of analysts out there have targeted this kid for this slot with the Boston Celtics. And that's Sadiq Bay basic three and D guy right there for you. It's a great uh, percentage. One of the, I think in the top five in NDNCA in that three point percentage last year. So you already know coming in, he's got a good stroke. I've watched him play defensively. He moves his feet very well. Uh, decent size, decent build. Uh, and I think he's going to be someone that, although maybe not being a superstar for you, at least is going to give you some very strong minutes from a three and D player type standpoint. Yep, I think that would be a good choice. I think the Celtics have the luxury of being able to swing the fences on the Pokashevsky because they don't need anybody to come in yep. and contribute right away, and they're they're set for the most part with Brown and Tatum and and Kemba. And I think like that's a Danny Ainge pick, and I think he's even said that, um, you know, they, they're in position with three first-round picks to yeah. draft a guy that they can stash and develop. And then, again, you know, if you take Pokashevsky at 14 and then you still have two more picks that you can possibly trade up and move, yeah. I mean, I think they're in a, a, a pretty good position. They need to add some size. I think Dwight would be – it would be weird to go from the Lakers – from winning a championship, possibly win a championship with the Lakers and going to the Celtics. But I think – Dwight should be pretty affordable for, for Boston to add their size. I also think the Warriors would be interested if they go ahead and uh, don't get a Turner like we talked about before. If they still have that opening, I think uh, Howard would be a good fit there as well. Yep. Yep. All right. So I'm with Gerald Glassford from the Lakers Fast Break. And before we leave, you have one more pick. Uh-oh. You have to... Um, give me about three or four guys that you think will be available for the Lakers when they select. Well, hearing the doom and gloom and reading the doom and gloom in the past few days, if he falls down that far, even though you and I don't think he will, if Pokashevsky falls that far for some reason, and that that's the case, I think the Lakers should grab him and keep him because I think he can become a player for you down the road. Mm-hmm. But if not, I think the Lakers are going to probably package this pick. But even if they don't, I still think someone like like Desmond Bain uh, at that back end of the, of the draft, you saw Desmond Bain. I, 
Carrie, Carrie Jr. from Duke has also been talked about. I'm not sure I'm in love with him at that spot. I just don't think that right there you, you need someone at, you know, with, with a whole lot of size that's just going to be another big body. Uh, I think that you can get that at different points in the draft or even through free agency. I think at this point in time, you got to look for someone that you could possibly develop if you plan on keeping the pick. So Desmond Bain would probably be number one on my list if Pokashevsky doesn't fall down that far. Maybe even a Jaden McDaniels as far as talent is concerned because I think still he has a, a lot of raw talent. But I would, like I said, I would go with, uh, personally, Desmond Bain. Trey Jones is a safe pick for as far as a backup point guard and maybe that's someone who could play 10 to 15 minutes a game right away for you. That could be a possibility. Uh, Blakely from... Uh, Kentucky is never talked about, even though he was the best three-point shooter for quickly. quickly. Yeah, quickly. I'm sorry. Antonio quickly, I think, right. Uh, the best three-point shooter on the team for Kentucky. I think he is someone that I know gets looked over constantly, but he's got a stroke. So you may want to go ahead and take advantage of that. But if Pokashevsky falls down, oh my gosh, you got to go ahead and you cannot pass up on that raw talent. Because I've seen those far as low as in the thirties now recently on a lot of these mock drafts, which is kind of freaking me out. Do they know something that I don't know when it comes to Pokashevsky? I would assume it's just because of the size and his youth that's, that's causing those issues. But yeah, if he falls down that far, I wouldn't pass a Pokashevsky, although Desmond Bain seems to be a popular choice as well. Yeah, I'm starting to think Bain won't fall past Brooklyn. I'm agreeing with you on that. I think he's got a lot of talent, that kid. Yeah. All right, so... Where can my listeners or, or subscribers find you and in, in your work? I know you have quite a few things that you do outside of just the Lakers fast break. So where can they follow your work and, and listen to you at? Well, you know me, it's the same every day and every day is the same, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, a wise old adage from a wise friend of mine once said, or actually he does say it all the time on my show, but uh, first off, want to go ahead and thank you for allowing me on the show. I truly appreciate it. And again, it's been an honor to have you on my show. And as part of our team coverage of the NBA playoffs, thank you so much for being part of it on the Lakers Fast Break channel, wherever you get your podcasts. I also host Inside Sports Fantasy Football each and every week. If you want to know the inside as far as for fantasy football owners out there, if you've got some questions or you've got some things that you want to see as far as what's going on and what's trending in the NFL inside sports, fantasy football, wherever you get your podcasts. And then my, I guess my uh, best or most knowledgeable, or as far as the most thing that I'm well known for is the pop culture cosmos, uh, which is our weekly look at the latest news and trends in pop culture. And that's two shows each week. It's broadcast over 35 radio stations worldwide. And it's also available on the pop culture cosmos, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. And then I'm also, well, hold on. And I'm also the bane of Laker Tom's existence, but that's beside the point at (laughs) Lakerholics.com. Yeah. If if you haven't listened to the Laker fast break podcast, it's, it's always, and I'm not saying it because I've been a a quote unquote co-host on there for the past month or so, but it's always entertaining because Laker Tom is, how old is he? Like 75? 77. 77. 77-year-old. He, he runs the Lakerholics website. He loves the Lakers. And, um, I mean, he's sharp. He, he's sharp. 
but he's always entertaining because, you know, for me not being a Laker fan, Laker time represents the unrealistic Laker fan because he always has these trade scenarios where you can move Kuzma and Danny Green for Giannis or, you know, whoever the top <laughs> available player is. Laker time has a scenario where he – and the contracts will match up in a sense, but yeah. he has a scenario where he, he's bringing guys to the Lakers. That, but great guy. I mean, I, I've enjoyed the opportunity to to get a chance to, to, to know him and, and talk basketball with him. And then I'm also doing some videos for, um, for Lakerholics, and I, I'll pick that back up soon once the season is over about possible picks that uh, – or possible players that could be available when the Lakers select in the draft, which is – I guess it's coming up now. We're probably like 40-something days away. Yep. So we're a little a little more than a month away. It's just weird talking draft in November. But yes. everything well, we about we got to get some year. live mock drafts again. I know a lot of people have been asking me about it. And I say, well, you know, that's up to Raphael. Yeah. I mean, it's, at this point, how many more mock drafts can we do when we don't have any intel yet? So, yes. But I definitely plan on doing another one. Um, and I, I probably, I'll probably do it. I want to wait until we hear some stuff about like after the combine, if we, you know, we can get some details about other guys or, you know, how they look in the virtual combines, whatever. So, but I'll definitely do another one, but thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on, especially on the Always Lakers game friend. day. I know, okay. uh, <laughs> I know this Always is a, a big day for you. Yes, so. it is. All right. Although if they, if they win, you know, forgive me for crying on the air tonight. So I just <laughs> you know what? I've actually seen that. So uh, my last thing, when I was in, um, I was in Turkey, I was in Istanbul. And so, you know, Turkey is a country that they don't have a reputation for producing like great athletes and sports or whatever. So it was interesting to me because their, their fans are like really passionate. Like it's, it's hard to describe how passionate their fans are. And so when they won the final four in basketball in 2017, I've never seen so many people cry. Like they were crying. And I mean, of course, you know, it is Europe and they, they celebrate it by, um, you know, lighting the arena on fire and, you know, they celebrate (laughs) with, uh, with flares everywhere. But someone had mentioned like this was their first championship as a, you know, like an, not like a domestic championship, but, you know, their first time winning something major in like the 80 years that the country had been in existence. So I said, I to say this, I have seen grown men cry <laughs> over a championship, so it wouldn't be the first. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but it's always a great time when we have you on there, Laker Tom, the whole Lakerholics crew, and I hope everybody gets a chance to listen to it, but we're going to continue going forward. Got to have you on, obviously, giving us the NBA draft updates because no one knows the NBA draft like you do, my friend. And I appreciate your insight. Plus, I still got to get you on there for all your Christian Iega stories. Oh, yeah. I need to reach out to him and see if, he, if, if he'll come on. His accent might be so thick now because he probably doesn't speak a whole lot of English. But it will be fun to have him on. He's hilarious. Absolutely. I would love it. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on again. This is Raphael with NBA Draft Draft Junkies and my guest Gerald Glassford from the Lakers Fast Break. We are out.